Well, that's a long scripture reading this morning, you know. Uh, but the most important thing that we do here is not uh, that the pastor gets up and talks about the scripture, that we sing some stuff, but that we actually encounter the word of God in a number of different ways. Uh, I was reading this week out of the book of 1 Timothy, and in 1 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, who actually becomes the leader of the church in Ephesus, the place where this all takes place, Paul says to Timothy, among other things, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. And so when I was evaluating, well, can we read all these 30 verses this morning? I thought, well, the Bible said we should. And so that's what we're going to do. So what I want to do to start with, beyond just make an excuse for the long scripture reading, uh, is I want to ask you, who here would like to see a miracle? Anybody? Yeah, all of you, right? All of us. I'm glad. I mean, yeah, of course we do, don't we? I mean, we want to see something that will make us marvel and, and wonder that will transform the difficult things in our lives. Don't, right? Isn't that what a miracle does? It's something that comes outside of what we consider to be the natural order of things. It breaks the rules, and it does it in a positive sort of way. I think that's, we don't always add that, but we mean that about a miracle, don't we? How many people here have actually seen a miracle or experienced a miracle? Yeah, about half of us, I think. That's about what I see. Um, I've seen a couple of miracles, a few of them. Uh, and I'm gonna, they're all related to what we're going to see. I, I just want to share with you a couple of things. So first of all, there's someone in town uh, who was in the hospital, left against doctor's advice, came home, and a friend of that person's called me late at night and said, yeah, this person, they're suicidal, uh, they, you know, checked out of the hospital against the doctor's advice. They told this person that they would die if they didn't stay in the hospital. And so, will you come talk to them? Uh, any of you hope you get that, con you know, call late at night? Yeah, I was like, well, can't we find them a crisis center or something? Someone who knows what they're doing. But I, I went over and we started talking. And we didn't do much. We just spoke for a while. And we talked, well, where's God in this? What's God doing? What's God about? And uh, we, we came to a place where it was decision time. I said, so I think that there are a couple of choices in front of you. You have a choice to live or to die. That's really what you're wrestling with. Yeah, that's why you checked out of the hospital. You were choosing you wanted to die. That's why you know, you're having this conversation with your friends. You're saying you want to die. And then we've talked about all how God loves you. We've talked about who God is and what he wants to do in your life. Do you want to live? Do you want to die? And they said, I want to live. And we prayed. And uh, as we prayed, uh, this person, when we finished, says, you know, the, this body part where the problem is, my pain is gone. Now, I am not a person who looks at, at events in life and looks for miracles. This is actually a problem, right? This isn't a good thing. But I, I'm the sort of person who looks for the natural explanation. So the first things that came into my mind were, it must not have really been that bad in the first place, right? There wasn't a real miracle here because it must not have really been, she must not have really been that sick. And the second thing that came up was, well, you know, Maybe the pain didn't really go away, but her body just kind of healed over time. You know, it's, 
It wasn't really that miraculous at all. And, you know, it was was probably even a year or two later where I stopped and I I realized God did a miracle there. I mean, with the facts as they were presented, like the transformation that happened, that person was healed. And I didn't even recognize it when it happened. Did you know that miracles happen and we don't even recognize them? Because we're looking for any other solution, any other explanation than God did it. Why? Why do we want someone other than God to be the one who does it? Let me tell you another story. I'm going to get to that question in a minute. I was, uh, I was driving to the church. I'd only been here for about a year. And I was just weighed down. This story you've heard me tell before. But I was, I was weighed down. I was just feeling depressed and anxious and awful. And I had to come to the church and preach. This is, I was living in Exeter at the time, so it wasn't like in the 30 seconds it takes me to get from the manse to the church. It was in the 10 minutes it takes to get from Exeter to the church. And, and I thought, I, I was praying as I was driving. I said, God, I have nothing to give this morning. I have nothing I am empty, I am broken. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you you need to pray against the work of Satan and the presence of Satan in your life. And I didn't even fully understand that's what was happening at the moment. So, but I, I responded. And you know, the nice thing was I was alone in the car because when I do that, I, I like to do it out loud. And I do this actually more than you might think, but I like to do this out loud uh, because I don't know if Satan can hear my heart the way God can hear my heart. I tend to think he can't. So I'm going to pray out loud. And I said, in the name, you know, I belong to Jesus Christ, not because of anything I've done, but because of what God has done for me. He saved me. He rescued me. And Satan or any of your demons that are here, in the name of Jesus Christ, you leave me alone. And I came to church full that morning. I was transformed. My heart was transformed on the way, which was more disturbing than if nothing happened. Because you know what it meant? It meant Satan was really doing something, first of all, and I don't want to attract Satan's attention. And it also meant that there is this power outside of me that I cannot control, that I need for my life. One last story. My grandma Hodge, my dad's mom, uh, she was sick for a lot of her life, and she died when I was pretty young. And uh, one time she was in the hospital. My dad uh, tells this story periodically. And she was very sick, and she'd just been seeing all the doctors and everybody, and they left the room, and she was alone. And an angel appeared to her at the foot of her bed and said, Lorraine, if you continue treatment, you will die. And if you stop treatment, you will live. And then the angel disappeared. And then uh, the doctors walked back in. What's grandma going to do? Yeah, she says, first of all, let's, let's be honest about the fact that this might be hard. Hey, doctors, with your advanced medical degrees and your knowledge of the human body that I don't have, your treatment stinks. God told me, right, that, that sentence, God told me, usually is not followed by love and acceptance from the hearers, right? God told me to stop treatment, and I will live. So that's what I'm going to do. And she lived. Do you still want a miracle this morning? Because they're dangerous, aren't they? They are dangerous. They don't leave us unchanged. They don't just make our lives better. They do this. 
but even more so, they transform the people who receive them. Or worse, we end up untransformed and farther from God than when we started. What about the people of Israel? Leaving Egypt, and they get to the Red Sea, and the army of Egypt is behind them. And what did they say to Moses? God has been so good, those ten plagues, he'll get us out of this. Of course not. They said, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die? And Moses you know, plants his staff, and he parts the Red Sea by the power of God, and they walk through, but they are untransformed. And what was, how did their lives end? Do you remember? They all died in the wilderness until a new generation arose that was willing to trust God. You still want a miracle this morning. Yes, you do, okay? But it's maybe a bit weightier than we thought. Let's take a look here. Acts chapter 19. Is this going to work? It will if I turn it on. All right, where are we? Okay, Paul has taken his uh, second missionary journey, followed all through what's modern Turkey, through Greece, uh, southern Greece, back to Turkey, and then down to uh, Caesarea, and uh, did some other stuff around here, hung out in Antioch for a bit, which was his home church, remember? And then he began his third missionary journey. And we kind of quickly say he went through these old regions where he'd been before, strengthening the church, and finally he went to Ephesus, right here on the coast of the Aegean Sea in western Turkey. This was called the province of Asia, right? We heard about this in the reading today. Paul stayed in Ephesus for two years, and while he was there talking about Jesus Christ, it says the word of God went out into all of Asia. All of Asia was evangelized. Not, not the continent Asia, the modern continent. This region of the Roman Empire, Asia, the whole place was evangelized in two years through the work of Paul and the people who got to know Jesus through Paul spreading out into the province of Asia. It's amazing. I mean, that's a miracle, isn't it? Folks, how long have you lived in Lemon Cove or in Three Rivers or in Woodlake or Visalia or Exeter, wherever you are? How long have you been there? Have you evangelized every one of your neighbors? I'm going to guess no. Now, I'm, I'm, when I say that, I'm drawing from my own personal experience, so there's no condemnation here, okay? No. In two years, Paul evangelized the whole province of Asia. Amazing. It's a miracle. But what happens? Well, Paul starts in the synagogue, as is his practice. He gets rejected in the synagogue. Did Paul give up when he got rejected in the synagogue? No, he kept on going. He knew what God's call was. And God's call is very similar on our lives. Be witnesses of Jesus Christ wherever we are and whatever we do. Don't give up just because some people don't believe. As a matter of fact, do you think all those people, when Paul spent two years in Ephesus, do you think that everyone believed the first time he told them about Jesus? No. Yeah, three times, five times, a hundred times. It does, the text isn't specific for us, but I, I want to be careful not to make Paul this unapproachable man. Like, look, I wish, you know, there was a Paul in our church today, a Paul in Christianity today. You could reach all of, of Asia, all of our region, all of Tulare County, and he could do it in just two years. I wish God would provide someone like that. Well, he has 
It's us. We are not as different from Paul as we often think that we are. Do you remember uh, Paul, when he writes to Timothy, he says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's a good word, isn't it? But do you know what comes after that? Of whom I am the worst. Paul, it's in Scripture. It must be true. Paul, the worst of sinners, is the one God used to reach an entire province in the Roman Empire. God can use you and me. God can do miracles through you and me, just like he did through Paul. Now, the ministry continues. We're going to move pretty quickly through this passage. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, right? Here it is again. These miracles, we want these miracles. Even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. But then we, we get a, a different picture, right? Paul is invoking the name of Jesus to save people, to cure people, to heal people. And some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, they are professional exorcists. There were actually a number of people like this in the ancient world. And we still have uh, copies that written down some of the things that they would say in order to drive out evil spirits. And their fa- the big thing that they did is they would use the names of, of gods and demigods and evil spirits themselves. And by that name, they believed they had some sort of control over them. They could say, in the name of Jesus, which means I compel Jesus by using his name to cast the spirit out of you. And they didn't just do it with Jesus' name. They did it with Artemis and all of these other, all of these other uh, gods and spirits that the people believed in in the area. But something went differently when they added Jesus to their list of names. And if you see some of these ancient texts, it's just like... 20 names all in a row. I adjure you, evil spirit, by X, Y, Z, A, B, C, and so on and so on. Just list as many names as you can because that will make your work all the more powerful. Add Jesus. Right? Look, this Jesus seems to be having some success. Let's compel him to participate in our for-profit ministry. That could never go wrong, right? They would say in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches. You hear the two names? They're compelling the spirits to go. I command you to come out. Seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And one day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about. But who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. I saw uh, once someone I believe uh, was influenced or possessed by an evil spirit in this same sort of way. And I saw four 250-pound-plus men sitting on him, trying to hold him down, this 140-pound kid. And he was throwing them off. They could not hold on to him. When I uh, hear about spiritual warfare in Lemon Cove and and around, uh, I have to admit, the first thing I think is, I am 
qualified. I would like a transfer, please. Somewhere else where we don't have to deal with this. But this is in our town. This is in your community, whether you're in Lemon Cove or Exeter, Three Rivers, or anywhere else. This is happening. There are real powers of evil in the heavenly places. The reason we know this is because Jesus believed it. And some of us have seen it as well, in person. I ran into somebody. This is my, the story I always turn to because it was, to me, a moment where I realized what was going on in Lemon Cove where someone said, yeah, the demon who lives in my house got angry last night. Throw, threw all my dishes around, broke them all. And that's when I said, transfer, please. And I have a fear that when I go to confront the evil powers in our world, I'll hear Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who the heck are you? And I'll be thrown out naked and bleeding. But you know what? It's not about me and it's not about you. What's different between Paul, who's doing this ministry, and the seven sons of Siva? Because remember, Paul is healing people, and they just people would just take t- stuff that touched Paul, and they'd take it to their sick friend or family member, and they'd be healed. So why can't these exorcists go and say, "We know about that Jesus. I mean, we're not like buddies or something, but we're gonna we're gonna invoke him." We're going to use him, just like people are using these handkerchiefs and and aprons to heal people. We're we're going to do that. Why didn't it work? What went wrong? Yeah, they didn't know Jesus. Because, see, Jesus, we think often, like, I don't know if you ever pray like this. I pray like this all the time, and then when I realize it, I repent, and I try and pray a different way. But I pray like this. You know, God, you are so great. You are great enough to give me everything that I want in my life. You are so good. Clearly, you don't want me to suffer here. Right? I, I'm manipulating God. Anyone else try and do that ever? You don't have to raise your hand. I mean, you should feel bad if you don't raise your hand. See, I'm manipulating you right now. You ever pray like this? Like, God, uh, how do I get you to do what I want? That's, that's what the seven sons of Siva are doing. How do I manipulate God into getting what I want? What Paul is doing is, what does God want from me today? See the difference there? One of those is a way of actually having relationship. The other one is a way of abuse. One of those is, is a way of obedience. And the other one is a way of being my own God. And how deeply we want to be our own gods and goddesses. You realize that's the only sin, don't you? Every sin we commit is a way of saying, not your way, God, but mine. That's why what the seven sons of Siva were doing was sinful and was not answered and there was no power in it. But here's the other thing I want you to see. Remember, do you want to see a miracle? You know what a miracle does? It will either transform you to be more like Jesus or it will push you farther away. Those are the two options. It will either change who you are or it will make you more like 
who you already are. It'll turn your heart to stone or it will turn your heart to flesh. Do you still want a miracle? Because you know what I often want? I, I want a lot of what these seven sons of Siva are doing. I do. God, I want a better life, but not a changed life. Get where I'm going with that? I want a life where I get my way. I want a life where the sufferings that I encounter are, you know, I get to say yes or no. I want a life where I get to choose when the good things come. I want a life on my terms. And when we encounter a miracle, it proves to us that there is no such thing as life on my terms. It's all an illusion. It's all fake. I, when that big tsunami, was it in 2011 that the huge tsunami hit Japan? And Japan has dealt with earthquakes and tsunamis since people have been living there. It's on the ring of fire. It's a seismically active area. There are you know, ancient records of people doing it. People lived their, they still lived their lives in Japan in the constant awareness that the earth can and will move underneath them and the ocean will not stay where it belongs. And so what did they do? in Japan, besides build a nuclear power plant on the ocean. What else did they do? They built enormous seawalls all along the coast of Fukushima and everywhere else that, that that tsunami came. And they built them so high that no tsunami could ever top them until one did. There was no wall high enough on the coast of eastern Japan there to stop that tsunami from coming in. There were no measures that they could have taken at that nuclear power plant that would have saved it from the devastation that came and the meltdowns that followed. We are not in control, no matter how much we pretend or desire to be. And a miracle reveals that to us. I am not in control. Now, sometimes miracles come as these big, splashy sorts of events, right? Here's a handkerchief from Paul. You are healed. You are paralyzed. You will walk. You're standing at the edge of a sea with an army behind you. You will walk across on dry land. But miracles come in another way, too. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. Right? Idol worship, the idol makers make lots of money. So he called everyone together and he says, hey, your idol business is in trouble because there are no Jesus idols. And Paul's preaching all about Jesus. And people are starting to follow. The whole province has been evangelized. He's having amazing success. We've got to stop this or our way of life will be ruined. So he gets everybody together, and they head out into Ephesus. This, by the way, if you ever go to Ephesus, this is where you will enter. I don't know what any of this stuff is. They told me when I was there. I forget. But here is the great big theater in Ephesus. You see that here in the background? Seats 
thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of people. It's enormous. See the scale of this? These tiny little people walking in this huge, huge theater here. Now, what happens is Demetrius and all his buddies, they whip up a mob, and they fill up the theater. And they're down here on the stage, and they're up here in the seats, and they're jumping up and down, and they're shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And they found two of Paul's co-workers, and they drag them out into the middle of all of this. There's a riot happening, and they're there in the middle, and they're probably thinking, this is it. This is the end. I'm about to meet Jesus face to face. Uh, Interestingly, something similar happened in this theater probably 15 or 20 years ago. Sting had a concert. And the people got so rowdy, they actually damaged the theater, and they're not allowed to have concerts there anymore. So Sting, and I don't know, Sting's fine. I'm sure he's a good guy, but uh, similar sort of thing. So they're all standing around. They're jumping up and down, and they're yelling, and they're screaming. And it's the whole city, the scripture says in verse 29, was in an uproar, the entire city. And it says in verse 32, the assembly was in confusion. It turned into this thing where people just saw that something was happening outside. And they went out. A few years ago, a house at the other end of Lemon Cove literally blew up. It exploded. You know what happened? People from Lemon Cove stood outside and they watched it. Right? Because that's what you do. Whoa, that house blew up. That, you know, that's tragic. But that's so cool. And... Same thing, people are just like, I don't even know why we're here, but I'm excited, like, yeah. I mean, anything could happen. And the city clerk quiets the crowd. He finally gets them to simmer down. They're shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. He says, fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and her image, which fell from heaven? Like, these were hardcore Artemis worshipers. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the seven ancient wonders, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was the temple of Artemis in Ephesus. It was larger and more impressive than the Parthenon in Athens. Huge. They'd found a meteor, apparently, Uh, must have looked something like they imagined Artemis would look. They set it up in the temple. They're like, look, we got all this evidence. Like something fell out of the sky in Ephesus. We are the people of Artemis. And the city clerk says, everyone knows how great Artemis is. But that means you need to calm down and knock it off. No one can touch Artemis' greatness. Uh, But... We are in danger of being found out to be a mob. Now, uh, mobs are the sorts of things, like we said, that you see one going by, like, ooh, you know, I'm gonna, where's my pitchfork? Or, you know, bring out the torch. People just join in. That sort of thing happens. But the problem is, in the ancient world, uh, Ephesus was an important city in the Roman Empire, and it had a lot of its own rights. And, you know, taxes uh, from Rome were lower because it was a special city. But if they looked like they were all angry and rebelling against Caesar, if they looked like they were forming a mob, they could lose all of that status and privilege. So the clerk says, you guys are going to ruin everything. Like our tax holiday, gone. Our reputation, gone. Go home. Knock it off. I I love, he's so matter of fact. 
If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Press charges. Right? Handle this the legal way. This guy's probably an accountant or something like that. I'm sorry if you're an accountant, by the way. But by the rules, maybe an engineer. That's true too. Right, Craig? Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> we have to do this legally. After he had said this, he dismissed the assembly. And if we go on a little bit further into Acts here, it says, when the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples. He encouraged them and he said goodbye. Does that sound like a miracle to you? I mean, it's, the heavens didn't exactly open, did they? I mean, the hallelujah chorus wasn't playing anywhere. There wasn't someone lying on the ground who couldn't walk and they jump up and they run around. That sound like a miracle to you? I think it is. See, like I said, my temperament is when I see something incredible happen, I try and find a natural explanation for it. And that can be a problem. But isn't it also true that the family that you were born into, God chose that for you? Isn't it also true that the gifts and abilities you have, God gave those to you? Isn't it true? It's scripture itself says that before any one of your days happened, God had already written them down in his book. Every day for you was on purpose. What is a miracle? Isn't it God acting? Above anything else, the Greek word that we often translate as miracle is uh, dunamis, which sounds like the word dynamite, because that connection was on purpose. That word dunamis means might or power or strength. That's what a miracle is. It is God's strength in operation. And isn't his strength at work every moment of your life? What do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? It's kind of boring. Give us this day our daily bread. Your daily bread is a miracle every day. And don't overlook it. The question is, will we allow God to transform our hearts? when we receive his good gifts. What would that look like for you this week? What gift have you neglected, maybe? You're saying, gosh, I remember what God did for me, and I used to think it was so amazing, and now I, I hardly ever think of it anymore. Do you need to remind yourself of God's miracles in your lives? What step of faith do you need to make this week? I follow the God who parted the Red Sea and held back the army of Egypt with fire. I can do this. Not because of who I am, because of who God is. <laughs> I love, remember Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? A lot of the time when I talk about movies, everyone's like, what? Indiana Jones, right? We've seen that, okay? Remember Indiana Jones, he, he's... He's going to find the Holy Grail, and he's got to get through the three challenges. And one of the challenges is the leap from the lion's head, right? It's, it's the leap of faith. 
and he, he gets up in the lion's head, and there's this big cliff and, and, and canyon in front of him, and there's no way he can make it to the other side. And he's, he, he has to do it, right? His dad's dying. He's got to get the Holy Grail. I mean, I feel weird even saying this, but he's got to do it. So he, he gets on top of the lion's head, and he closes his eyes, and I love he doesn't leap. Remember what he does? Sticks his foot way out. And there's ground for his feet. And the camera angle changes. And you see that the bridge across the canyon is painted so that from the lion's head, you can't, you can't see it. It looks just like canyon below you. But when you turn the camera to the side, you see it was there all along. See, that's what faith is. Faith is, is not this, this leap into nothing. Faith is, I can't see what's there, right? I, I don't perceive it, but I know it is. Because that's who God is, and that's what he's done. Today, I'm going to end with this. Today, as you're heading out, I encourage you, tell somebody about something God has done in your life. I don't care how big or how small it seems or feels. Several years ago, the session, all of the elders, we shared our stories with each other. And I think almost everyone going into that experience thought, my story stinks. It's like, I was sad, God found me, and now I'm not sad anymore. It's like, it doesn't, does that sound spectacular? But you know what happened when we told each other our stories? We thought, I didn't know God worked that way. God did that for you. He did something similar for me. Right? And that means if he did it for you, he did it for me. Right? It's my story is true because your story is true. And it was, wait, I've been waiting to hear that thing from God, but you heard it. And, and now I know I can hear it too. God is telling me through your story. Would you tell somebody something God has done for you? And it can be personal and private if that's what you're comfortable with. You just got to get it off your chest. It can be everyday and fairly mundane. But would you just tell somebody? I told you a bunch of my stories, all right? I got more if you want more. You can come up and ask. But tell somebody before you go. Encourage each other with that. And then live looking for miracles this week. Remembering that. The point is not miracles make our lives better. They do. But the point is that the miracles make us a changed people like Jesus Christ.